President Shirley Tillman, the 19th president of Princeton University, will preside at this, the 260th commencement. President Tillman. Thank you. The invocation will be pronounced by Dean Blanks. I invite you to join me in the spirit of prayer. Let us pray. Gracious God, breath of life, and source of all wisdom, on this 260th commencement, we begin this moment in the movement of life, inviting your sacred presence among us. Our hearts are full to overflowing with thanks and gratitude for the noble achievements of the great class of 2007. We acknowledge that no celebration is complete except we concede that our lives are inextricably linked with those we know personally and those we do not know at all who have made it possible for us to celebrate today. And so we pause intentionally to offer our deep and profound thanks for those who boldly believed, audaciously inspired, loved and hoped, prayed daringly, sacrificed selflessly, and nurtured these Princetonians, parents, grandparents, siblings, aunts, uncles, loved ones, and friends that make the circle complete we give you thanks. For professors and preceptors who imparted the gift of knowledge, challenged and engaged students to excel beyond their knowing, we give you thanks. For men and women who cared for and guided the lives of students, administrators, coaches, dining hall personnel, housekeepers, staff, and extraordinary friends whose listening and very presence transformed lives, we give you thanks. We pray that those we honor who represent resplendent human diversity and intellectual brilliance will exercise wisdom in offering their lives in service to humanity as ones called and chosen to usher in a new legacy of liberating possibilities, enable their work and witness in our nation and world to move us toward a greater good that allows all to flourish, fill them with respect for all members of the human family and remind them that they stand on the shoulders of those who came before them. Instill within them a moral courage with an ever vigilant eye toward justice. At the end of the day, bring to mind that they are daughters and sons of destiny and that the date with destiny demands that they make a difference in your world. Hear our prayer, gracious God, breath of life, source of all wisdom. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It is my pleasure this morning on behalf of Princeton University to welcome all of you to campus. I would like to extend warm greetings to families and friends who have gathered here to celebrate with the graduating seniors of the class of 2007 and with the recipients of advanced degrees from Princeton's graduate school. May I ask at this time that the parents, 
grandparents, and other family members and friends of today's graduating students rise and remain standing. With that applause, we thank your family and friends for the many contributions that they have made to the achievements that we honor today. Thank you. I would also like to thank the hundreds of faculty, students, staff, and alumni who have contributed to the success of the last six days in which we have celebrated Princeton the alumni ties to our alma mater and to the graduating classes before us today. I would especially like to recognize the buildings and facilities staff who set up 180,000 square feet of tenting, media services personnel who installed eight miles of wiring, <laughs> and the ambulances. We'll let them go by. And the staff in dining services who served 36,000 cookies and 4,000 pounds of chicken. They have been here, yes. They have been here at the break of dawn and late into the night for the last week to affect multiple transformations of our campus, from reunions to the baccalaureate service, from class day to the hooding ceremony, and now to this moment in front of Nassau Hall. They make events like today possible. The Latin salutatory will be delivered by Maya Mascarinic a senior from Honolulu, Hawaii. Balbuti Musa Balbuti. Nam saluto amicos et inimicos. Optimates, si qui etiam manent, et populares, cribberimos. Cumparemos, aut scandere monia nos circumcludentia, et effugere in multas terras, quae nos expectant, aut ut prudentioribus dicam. <laughs> Ambulare per apertam portam, fits rondel fensem. Aportet contemplare, sacro sanctum institutum, in quo consumsimus, tot dies et annos. Memoro quippe, non universitatem princentonensem, 
Sed bibliothecam firestonensem. Timens, ne biblioteca libros amitat, sicut quaidam membranae ineptae architectorum portendunt. Neue linguae hominum distratis ilis labyrinthis librorum loqui desistant. Decrevi dignitatem eos demonstrare, ostendendo vobis, fragmenta papyri, nuper reperta, equibus vaticinatio sibilina fingi potest. Initium carminus corruptum est, Sed quod possum restituere, attingit pestes olem pervogatas, quando turbae cicadarum descenderunt, et devasta verunt omnia quibus incubuerunt, scilicet teses paine perfectas, et pizzas apud frist, et glacies apud curvum cochleam. Id quod vulgo dicitur, bent spoon. Ubi incorruptus textus incipit, sic legitur. Et di antiqui, aut secus ac genusciororum, princitoniam relinquerant, et in manibus procuratorum deposuerant. Praesides tilmen, et dicenae melchio, quae vigilantes auguria salutis expectabant, vel dona alumnorum. Et patres matresque juvenes in campo desertus spectabant, quos facultates linguarum slavicarum, vel studiorum proximae aurorae, vel scientiae evolutionis ecologiaeque, rapievant. O cavete ne quis posteris anis hanc latinam orationem cultam cantet lingua coptica vel tocariana, vel maia. Et magistri vel ut vulture super columnis incidentes Auebant in volare discipulus, qui tesibus ex politis scribendis dierant. Et scholastici ferias priscas academiae suae, iam du neglexerant. Quipe qui non perwada benigna ambrosiae divinae incederant. Itaque vere noe quoque senescentes turbae redibunt. Ut bacationa simulata intracipta inclusi bibant, et crumena vacuent, ad nova aedificia construenda. Et orator rostra ad sacrificium escendet, et recitabit versus plurimis comeroribus declinationis, ignorantia que verborum. 
hic textus iterum abrumpitur, sed aut Deo supplementum suadere. Res praeteritae nobiscum remanebunt, etiam si cotidie res futurae nosoperiantur. Tempus novum semper novo modo salutemus. I would like to introduce University Provost Christopher Eisgruber, the Lawrence S. Rockefeller Professor of Public Affairs and the University Center for Human Values, who will introduce this year's winners of the Secondary School Teaching Awards. Each year at commencement, Princeton honors four outstanding teachers selected from the secondary schools of New Jersey. In so doing, we gratefully acknowledge the exceptional contributions of our colleagues who teach in the high schools and middle schools. I would like at this time to recognize each teacher individually. Please hold applause until all of the award winners have been recognized. Bruce. Paul Greff. Bruce Greff teaches his students at Creative Arts High School that discipline precedes invention and craft precedes creativity. But throughout his 38 years of service in, Camp in the Camden City Public Schools, he has been all about creativity and teaching has been the craft that he has supremely mastered. As teacher, mentor and advisor. He gives his students the tools of artistic expression and originality, as well as the confidence and courage to develop new strengths and higher aspirations. Nina M. Lovlinskaya. Her experiments in teaching resulted in the mutation of the game show Jeopardy into Bioperty and transformed the most science-adverse students at high-tech high school into biology wizards. In the fertile soil of young minds, Nina Lavlinskaya has planted the seeds of scientific curiosity, showering them with individual care and nurturing them with her own infectious enthusiasm. In the course of a year, her students evolve, not just in their understanding of biology, but of themselves. Raymond William Page. The best teachers have a highly developed sense of sight that allows them to see beyond what their students are or have been to what they can be. That sense of sight is not lost on Raymond Page's students at St. Anthony High School, who credit his success as a teacher to the fact that he observes them, sees their potential, and cares about who they will become. Using magic to hold their attention, he works magic, transforming academically challenged students into high achievers. Peggy Stewart. It is Peggy Stewart's opinion that we live in an increasingly global world with an increasingly narrow vision of life, and she has set out to change that. 
through home exchanges with Chinese students and trips to Europe and Kazakhstan, her students at Vernon Township High School develop not just knowledge about, but a caring for other cultures and peoples. Because she has modeled cosmopolitanism for her students and colleagues, they have the courage to start on their own journeys of personal discovery. Please join me now in recognizing these teachers' extraordinary contributions to our society's future. now introduce the Dean of the College and Professor in the Department of History, Nancy Malkiel, who will present the candidates for undergraduate degrees. At this time, we recognize each undergraduate who has qualified for Princeton University's bachelor's degree. Let me remind you at the outset that your diplomas and program certificates can be picked up on Cannon Green behind Nassau Hall um, after uh, the exercises have concluded. We begin with the candidates for the degree of Bachelor of Arts. Before presenting you to President Tillman and to the trustees for the awarding of your degrees, I will introduce you informally, department by department. Please stand in place as your department is named. I would ask your families, classmates, and friends to withhold their applause until all undergraduates in each group have been introduced. First, I should like to invite the members of the following departments to stand. Art and Archaeology, the School of Architecture, English, and Music. Please be seated. And now the members of these departments, Classics, Comparative Literature, French and Italian, German, Slavic languages and literatures, Spanish and Portuguese languages and cultures, East Asian studies, Near Eastern studies, and the Independent Concentration Program. Please be seated. We turn next to the departments of history, philosophy, and religion. The undergraduate members of these departments please rise. Politics, 
and the Woodrow Wilson School of Public and International Affairs. Please be seated. Now, those seniors graduating in anthropology, economics, and sociology. Please be seated. Will seniors in these departments please stand? Ecology and evolutionary biology and molecular biology. Please be seated. Finally, I wish to introduce the seniors receiving Bachelor of Arts degrees in Astrophysical Sciences, Chemistry, Computer Science, Geosciences, Mathematics, Physics, and Psychology. Please be seated. <laughs> At this time, all candidates for the degree of Bachelor of Arts are invited to stand together. <laughs> President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you and your fellow trustees the candidates standing before you and the other candidates duly certified to you who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degree of Bachelor of Arts. Octoritate mihi curatoribus universitatis princetoniensis comissa. Vos ad gradum primum in artibus et cum honoribus ut indicatum est admitto. At this time, we recognize each undergraduate who has qualified for the degree of Bachelor of Science in Engineering. Once again, I will invite you to stand in place as your department is named, and I will ask your families, classmates, and friends to hold their applause until your degrees have been conferred. I invite Bachelor of Science in Engineering candidates in the following departments to rise. Chemical Engineering, Civil and Environmental Engineering, Computer Science, Electrical Engineering, Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering, and Operations Research and Financial Engineering.
President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you and your fellow trustees the candidates standing before you and the other candidates duly certified to you who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degree of Bachelor of Science in Engineering. Octoritate mihi a curatoribus universitatis princetoniensis comisa. Bosset gradum primum in scientiis ingenarius et cum honorbus ut indicatum est admitto. Let me finally invite the entire class of 2007, 1120 strong, to rise as a body. Artists, writers, scholars, athletes, campus leaders, community volunteers, recipients of honors, certificates, and prizes, members of honor societies, winners of fellowships, you have put your imprint on this university and you leave with our warmest congratulations. The faculty elects the valedictorian each year, taking into account special qualifications as well as scholastic ranking. This year's valedictorian is Eric Glenn Weil, a senior from Los Altos Hills, California. An irony of being valedictorian is that I am actually one of the seniors least qualified to speak to the broad range of student life on campus. I'm amazed how many of my classmates live up to the Princeton ideal of finding a balance between social, academic, and extracurricular interests. I'm afraid Dean Fred would not find my application so well-rounded. As an economics major, I'd put it this way. My portfolio is not very diversified. One thing we all do share, though, is four formative years we spent together. Memory is our connection to the past and one of the most powerful ways we can shape our future. It is the only thing that makes me, the Glenn before you today, an expert on Glenn, that terrified freshman camper evacuated from Princeton's flooded outdoor action orientation. By choosing today what to take away from our time here, we can shape our lives after graduation as much as we will by our choices of jobs or places to live. So on this most memorable of days, I want to tell you a bit about how I will remember the way Princeton changed me. Princeton developed my skills, introduced me to an extraordinary group of people, 
and arm me with an array of practical tools. Yet these were fringe benefits. Even the higher goal of learning how to think was secondary. More than anything, Princeton changed what I aspire to by focusing my attention on the world's most important problems. Princeton forced me to ask questions and think about ideas far beyond my personal experience. Freshman spring, my introductory computer science professor brought to class a clacking tabletop contraption that wrote characters on a flowing strip of paper. He explained that it was a Turing machine, an unassuming device theoretically capable of simulating anything in the universe. Seeing universal computation sitting in the middle of my lecture hall opened my eyes to the promise of artificial and human intelligence. Sophomore year, in English, we studied a book of poetry, Eunoia by Christian Bach. The slim volume contained five chapters, each making use of only a single vowel. Despite my initial skepticism, I was eventually persuaded by the book cover's claim that each vowel had a personality of its own, previously hidden to me. The jocularity of the letter O and the egotism of I revealed the layers of meaning language carries. Junior year, moral philosophy challenged my core beliefs. Is complete blindness to ethnicity and race ethically desirable? What makes individual human beings, rather than societies, or animals, or amoeba, worthy of rights? Just two months ago in art history, we examined the ideological undercurrents of photographs from the New York Times. The paper recently ran an uncritical picture of the newly renovated Colonial Williamsburg, showing smiling actors as slaves enjoying themselves. Recognizing this deceptive portrait of early America in a source I trusted forced me to reconsider images I might otherwise have taken for granted. My professors and friends here at Princeton made abstract ideas intimate. My extraordinary advisor, Jose Shankman, told our class that a great economist sees the elegant structure of social and economic institutions in every movie, newspaper article, or party. This impulse to make theory a way of understanding ordinary life pervades Princeton. From the lecture hall to the dining hall, Princeton made concrete the diverse abstractions of sigma algebras, the Greek demos, and decision heuristics. In the process, it has changed not only how we think, but more importantly, what we think and care about. Though Princeton is often called an orange bubble, my experiences here brought me closer to great problems and motivated me to engage with the world more powerfully than I could have dreamed. By bringing profound ideas into our everyday lives, Princeton instilled in us a desire to pursue social betterment, artistic expression, and scientific discovery. An inspiring example for me has been the work of my classmates in the Princeton Justice Project. Led by the indefatigable Tom Bennett, they worked to improve affordable housing 
bring art to New Jersey prisons, teach English and financial literacy to immigrant workers, and in a project I participated in, help make international trade fairer for developing nations. And their efforts were just a few among the thousand diverse and impressive accomplishments that Princeton education inspires. It has also been inspiring to me over the last several months to hear from my classmates the range of noble callings that await the class of 2007 beyond Fitzrandolph Gate. Hopeless nerd that I am, though, I will remain behind that gate as a graduate student and trapped by the lure of the academic world Princeton opened. For me, the appeal of economic research is best captured by the words of Nobel laureate Robert Lucas. He contrasts nations that rapidly emerged from poverty with others that made little progress alleviating their people's misery. Do the examples of China and South Korea hold lessons that will one day allow African leaders to eliminate malaria and starvation? Lucas writes, the consequences for human welfare involved in questions like these are simply staggering. Once one starts thinking about them, it's hard to think about anything else. One definition of an intellectual is someone who sees things working in practice and wonders if they'll work in theory. <laughs> Seeing an apple fall inspired Newton's theory of gravity. Like Lucas, I also see things working the other way around. The purpose of the passion for intellectual inquiry that Princeton gave us is the use of ideas to improve the world we share. In each area of study at this university, and in every profession you will enter, there are questions so important that it is, or should be, hard to think about anything else. By making present and immediate in our lives these most important challenges, Princeton has compelled us towards the nation's service and the service of all nations. Congratulations to the class of 2007, and thank you. At this time, I would like to introduce Dean of the Graduate School and the Arthur W. Marks Class of 1919 Professor of Chemical Engineering, William B. Russell, who will present the candidates for advanced degrees. At this time, we recognize each individual who is qualified for an advanced degree from Princeton University. Let me remind you at the outset that if your diploma was conferred by the trustees in their current meeting, it may be picked up behind Nassau Hall on the west side of Cannon Green at the conclusion of these exercises. As many of the candidates for master's degrees as are present, please rise in their places. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you and your fellow trustees the candidates standing before you and the other candidates duly certified who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degrees of
Master of Arts, Master of Arts in Near Eastern Studies, Master in Finance, Master of Architecture, Master in Public Affairs, Master in Public Affairs and Urban and Regional Planning, Master in Public Policy, Master of Science in Engineering, and Master of Engineering. Octoritate mihi a curatoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa, vos ad gradum secundum admito. Please be seated. Will the, will the candidates for the doctor's degree please stand? President Tillman, I have the honor to present you and your fellow trustees, the candidates standing before you, and the other candidates duly certified to you who have completed the scholastic requirements for the degree of Doctor of Philosophy. Octoritati mihi a curatoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa, vos et gradum doctoris in philosophia admito. The Doctor of Philosophy is the highest academic degree awarded, marking an original and independent contribution to the world of scholarship. I am especially pleased to congratulate today's recipients of the PhD degree. Congratulations. It is a very special pleasure for me to confer the President's Awards for Distinguished Teaching. I want to thank Emeritus Trustees Lloyd E. Coatson of the Class of 1950 and John J. F. Sherrod of the Class of 1952 for their endowment of these awards, which enable us to honor today four members of the faculty for a sustained record of excellence in teaching at both the undergraduate and graduate levels. Dean of the Faculty and Philip Y. Goldman, Class of 1986, Professor in Computer Science, David P. Dobkin, will introduce each award winner. I would like to introduce each of the award winners individually. Eric S. Gregory, Assistant Professor of Religion. His intellectual engagement with his students fosters their own intellectual growth. Through his courses on theology and Christian ethics, they come to understand how theological issues spill out the church door and into the public square. Some students liken the experience to learning a whole new language whose complex grammar and rich vocabulary offer the tools to communicate nuanced meaning and the power to move. In his work with students, he routinely puts numerous voices from many traditions in conversation with one another. And taking many voices himself, he teaches each student to find his or her own. President Tillman, I have the honor to present Professor Eric S. Gregory.
Sanjeev R. Kulkarni, Professor of Electrical Engineering. Concern for the understanding and well-being of his students is his signature lesson. His students respond, whoa, that's cool. As Associate Dean of Engineering and as Master Sanj of Butler College, his caring influence as advisor and mentor to students and colleagues reaches far beyond his home department. In interdisciplinary courses, in his interdisciplinary in his interdisciplinary course on learning theory and epistemology, his intellectual reach extends to the great timeless philosophical questions about the boundaries of what we can know. What we can know about him comes from the glowing testimonials of his students for whom he is simply the man. President Tillman, I have the honor to present Professor Sanj Kulkarni. Kenneth A. Norman, Assistant Professor of Psychology, Lawrence S. Brody University professor, Preceptor in Psychology. Here we praise Professor Norman. His lectures and labs, they're truly storming. To teach the brain, he uses jello. As teacher, he's an awesome fellow. Colleagues say his style is fearless. Students say his skill is peerless. They say he's riveting, very clear. Make him professor of the year. And if we graded Professor Ken, he'd score 15 on a scale of 10. Professor Tillman, I have the honor to present Professor Kenneth A. Norman. Alexander J. Smits, Professor of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering. A towering tidal wave of top-tier teaching. This is an understated example of the student reviews his courses regularly receive. A renowned experimentalist, he studies turbulence. And he teaches students who often confess to some degree of mental turbulence when they begin his course. They leave not just with an understanding of the laws of fluid mechanics, but with an appreciation for its beauty. His unique spectrum of hands-on courses, his personal guidance, and his exquisitely written textbook have made him for students, advisees, and colleagues a catalyst for intellectual growth. Professor Tillman, I have the honor to present Professor Alexander J. Smith. Please join me in recognizing once again the contributions of these faculty members to the vitality of Princeton's teaching mission. <laughs> members of the faculty and staff who retire from Princeton this year are recognized in the commencement program. The university is grateful to each of them for their contribution to the Princeton community and their commitment to the fulfillment of the university's mission. Please join me in applause to express our appreciation.
the University Orator and Trustee Rajiv Vinakota, Class of 1993, will now present the candidates for honorary degrees. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you the degree of Doctor of Humanities, Honoris Causa, Muhammad Ali. Acclaimed throughout the world as the most gifted, most imaginative, most audacious, and most courageous, courageous of heavyweight boxing champions, he has long been revered as one of the great athletes of all time. Unwavering in his moral commitments, he has fought tenaciously outside the ring for freedom of conscience, for equality and justice, and for the dignity and emancipation of all people. An Olympian of global reach and Herculean determination, he inspires even the least athletic among us to float like the butterfly, sting like the bee, and aim for nothing less than the gold. President Tillman, Mr. Ali. Octoritati mihi acuratoribus universitatis princetoniensis comissa, te ad gradum doctoris in rebus humanus honoris causa Admito. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Laws, Honoris Causa, Norman R. Augustine. Ever guided by his moral compass and ever clear-eyed about his commitment to excellence, he steered one of America's most crucial industries safely through the rocky uncertainties of a Cold War world. His clarion call challenged his nation to rise above the gathering storm and face squarely the risks and opportunities that lie ahead in the uncharted future of science and technology. A public servant, teacher, and author, a master of insightful analysis and captivating aphorism, he offers us a blueprint for a better future and a better world. 
Octoritate Mihi Acuratoribus Universitatis Princetoniensis Comissa, Te ad gradum doctoris in legibus honoris causa admito. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Science, Honoris Causa, Elizabeth Helen Blackburn. In her lab, she focuses on the tips of chromosomes, striving to harness telomeres and their constituent enzyme to slow the aging process and block the growth of cancer cells. In her career, she has bridged departments, created new fields of inquiry, inspired students, and personified integrity. In her public life, she has held policymakers and scientists to the highest ethical standards, and she has insisted that scientific policy be based on scientific evidence. Queen of the Telomeres, a daughter of Tasmania, and now adopted by Princeton, she embodies a lifelong commitment to the discovery of knowledge in the service of others. President Tillman, Professor Blackburn. Octoritati mihi acuratoribus universitatis princetoniensis comissa, te ad gradum doctoris in scientiis honoris causa admito. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Humane Letters, Honoris Causa, Robert Fagels. In a language the ancient poets could not know, he sings of wars and man, of a man of twists and turns, and of the rage of Achilles with such perfect pitch that he must have held the muse enthralled. We tell here of his four decades of feats on behalf of Princeton, as the founding father of comparative literature, as a gracious and wise colleague, and as an inspiring mentor and teacher. His translations bring to life not just the words, but the unquenchable spirit of the ancient masterpieces as through his verses he takes us once more to the windy plain of Troy, across the wine-dark sea, and to the high walls of Rome. Through these inadequate words, we salute him, his work, and his own unquenchable spirit. President Tillman, Professor Fagels. Octoritati mihi acuratoribus universitatis princetoniensis comissa, te ad gradum doctoris in literatis bomanoribus Honoris Causa Admito.
President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Science, Honoris Causa, LaSalle D. LaFall, Jr. For more than 50 years, he has brought his skills as a surgeon, oncologist, and educator to the fight against cancer. By combining his extensive medical knowledge with compassion and determination, he has forged formidable weapons against life-threatening disease, while nurturing a new generation of doctors to carry on his good work. Knowing that no cure can be effective if access to it is denied, he has championed life-affirming public policy, especially for African Americans and economically disadvantaged populations. His entire life has been a quest to overcome barriers in an odyssey with no boundaries. President Tillman, Dr. LaFall. Octoritati mihi acuratoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa. Te ad gradum doctoris in scientiis honoris causa admito. President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Humane Letters, Honoris Causa, Fritz Stern. An exile from Hitler's Germany, at home on both sides of the Atlantic, a public intellectual in Germany and in the United States, and a superb scholar equally at ease before an audience of legislators, public servants, or university students, he has enlightened us all. Intimately conversant with five Germanies, from Bismarck to Einstein, he wove in his writings an intricate tapestry on grand themes of German and European history and on the fragility of democracy in the modern world. Defying the stereotype of academia as an ivory tower, he teaches us, by example, the virtue of engagement. President Tillman, Professor Stern. Octoritati mihi acuratoribus universitatis princetoniensis commissa. Te ad gradum doctoris in literatis humanioribus honoris causa admito. And finally, President Tillman, I have the honor to present to you for the degree of Doctor of Fine Arts, Honoris Causa, Twyla Tharp. <laughs> Classicist and postmodernist, traditionalist and iconoclast, disciplinarian and clown, she has proved through her work that no human movement is alien to her. Whether creating at Lincoln Center or on Broadway, with ballet companies or with modern dancers, in film or on television, with the music of Bach, the Beach Boys, or Billy Joel, she has refused to allow either herself or her art to be pigeonholed. Whitman-esque in her breadth, 
force and freshness of her vision, ambition, and achievement, she has staged the body electric in ways that we have expanded the range of how and what dance might mean, and in doing so, has won dance new audiences. President Tillman, this talk. You can say it. President Tillman, Ms. Tharp. Octoritate mihi curatoribus universitatis princetoniensis comissa, te ad gradum doctoris in artibus elegantibus honoris causa admito. I would ask all of our honorary degree recipients to stand once more, and I would ask our graduates and guests to join me in applauding their outstanding accomplishments. I am very pleased to exercise a traditional prerogative of Princeton presidents to have the first word at opening exercises and now the last word at commencement. And as a mother of a Princeton graduate, I know just how hard it is to get in the last word. Four years ago, I predicted at opening exercises that your time at Princeton would fly by at warp speed and that Princeton would forcibly and cruelly cast you out the Fitz-Randolph gates well before you were ready to leave of your own accord. Well, here you are at the brink of that moment, and I find myself in the unusual position of hoping that my prediction was wrong. For while you may be feeling the stirrings of nostalgia for your days at Princeton, I hope you were feeling no reluctance at the prospect of graduating, but rather are experiencing excitement and anticipation for what is ahead. You have left an indelible mark on this university, just as it has left its mark on you. Some of you contributed to a historic world premiere of a ballet written by Sergei Prokofiev in 1925 and others have performed in world premieres of plays and musicals written by your own classmates. Some among you brought honor to the university by winning over three dozen Ivy League championships, including football victories over Harvard and Yale this year that led to our first bonfire in 12 years on Cannon Green. the highly contested dodgeball tournament, the noisy Jadwin jungle, 
and the welcoming pre-raid have become spirited Princeton traditions on your watch. You stayed long enough to see the D-bar at the Graduate College undergo a major facelift. So now the ambiance is as good as the company. Some of you donated your time to help with the recovery at Dillard University in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina, and others rebuilt homes all along the Gulf Coast. Many of you have made it a point to encounter the world outside the United States and to hear prominent world leaders here on campus, including the presidents of Rwanda and Afghanistan, two U.S. secretaries of state, the founder of Microsoft, and a Holocaust survivor who told us that silence and indifference are the greatest sins of all. And through it all, you were the first group of students in Princeton history to have the opportunity for all four years to procrastinate on Facebook.com. Of course, while you were participating in that flurry of extracurricular activities, you were also in the process of acquiring a first-rate education. Now, I purposely used the verb acquire rather than receive, as education must be actively sought. It can't be passively ingested. Matriculating at a university is analogous to entering into a social contract. On one side, the student is responsible for seeking out and taking advantage of the many and varied opportunities for learning. And on the other side, the university is responsible for providing a fertile ground for learning in the form of a world-class faculty dedicated to both scholarship and teaching, extraordinary library and IT resources, classrooms, modern la laboratories, and abundant support for thesis research. Everything, in fact, but 24-hour study spaces and a bowling alley. Today is as good a time as any to ask whether the terms of that contract have been realized. More precisely, what have you learned? Now this question is not a purely rhetorical one. For the past two years, the issue of learning assessment has been the subject of intense discussion at colleges and universities and within the federal government. In 2005, Secretary of Education Margaret Spellings commissioned a study on the future of higher education to identify the pressing national priorities for higher education. One of the issues the Commission identified is, in my view, the most important one for this country, to ensure that students of modest means have access to affordable education. The Commission's call for a significant increase in federal need-based financial aid has been met with enthusiastic approval throughout higher education and on Capitol Hill. A less salutary recommendation of the Commission has led to proposals from the Department of Education that for the first time in American history, 
would impose external measures of student learning, in other words, standardized testing on colleges and universities. Now the parents in particular might be asking yourselves, what's so wrong with the idea that a university should measure whether students have learned something? In fact, we do it all the time. Our faculty spend a significant percentage of their time assessing student learning and providing feedback to students. But the notion that a federally mandated standardized test could be used to measure learning flies in the face of one of the greatest strengths of the U.S. education system, the tremendous diversity among universities and colleges. In a free market system that has made U.S. higher education the envy of the world, Students are able to choose between a large public research university like the University of Michigan and an intimate liberal arts college like Amherst College. An Amherst graduate in the audience. Between the science and engineering strengths of MIT and the performing arts reputation of Bard College. Between the College of New Jersey to study to be a teacher or the Juilliard School to become a musician. Our system ensures that for each college-bound student, there is a college or a university designed with his or her talents and interests in mind. After all, students starting college are not cut from the same cloth. And if we are successful, their college experience will nurture and develop their distinctive talents and interests and motivate them to find not one but many ways to use their education to make the world a better place. The homogeneity bred by standardization would almost certainly drain color and vitality from this rich national tapestry. Where we see our students as prime numbers, standardization sees them as elements of the least common denominator. On another level, the imposition of federal standards flies in the face of a long and revered tradition in this country of respecting the academic freedom of universities. In the classic articulation by Supreme Court Justice Felix Frankfurter, this involves the freedom to decide who may attend, who may teach, what may be taught, and how it shall be taught. Now, academic freedom does not provide universities with carte blanche by any means, and it requires a considerable degree of self-regulation by all members of the university community. However, in the words of 20 university presidents from all over the world who attended the UN-sponsored colloquium on academic freedom in 2005, Academic freedom is fundamental to the central values and purposes of universities, which must in turn protect freedom of inquiry and speech, without which neither faculty nor students can flourish or achieve the ends that academic freedom is designed to serve. 
When applied from outside the academic community, standardized testing as a means to assess student learning jeopardizes the freedom that universities need to craft their educational programs and fulfill the individualized goals of their students. Moreover, it is impossible to imagine a set of standardized tests that could accurately measure what our faculty aspire to impart to our own students. As Woodrow Wilson, Princeton's 13th president, said so eloquently 100 years ago, what we should impart in our colleges is not so much learning itself as the spirit of learning. It consists in the power to distinguish good reasoning from bad, in the power to digest and interpret evidence. In a habit of Catholic observation and a preference for the nonpartisan point of view, in an addiction to clear and logical processes of thought, and yet an instinctive desire to interpret rather than stick to the letter of the reasoning in a taste for knowledge and a deep respect for the integrity of the human mind. Those qualities do not lend themselves to standardized testing. The value we place on those qualities is the reason why we require that our students participate in what we believe is the most rigorous test of all, the writing of a comprehensive thesis or the completion of a major independent research project. So when it comes to the question of how do you know you are providing your students with a good education, my answer is as follows. We can't really know until their 25th reunion because the real measure of a Princeton education is the manifold ways it is used by Princetonians after they leave the university. The undergraduate and graduate classes of 1982 celebrated their 25th reunions this past weekend. What do their lives tell us about how well we've done? Take, for example, David Spurgel of the undergraduate class of 1982, the chair of Princeton's Department of Astrophysical Sciences. His work has changed the way we think about the universe as a result of his participation in one of the most important of this century's and any century's experiments sending a satellite called the Wilkinson Microwave Anisotropy Probe into space to measure the background microwave radiation emanating from the Big Bang. Through his splendid scientific talents, David has sent us on a new quest to understand our universe. Then consider Eileen Guggenheim, who received her PhD in art history from Princeton in 1982. Together with a group of artists and collectors, she established the New York Academy of Art, a graduate school of fine arts that is devoted to representational and figurative painting, drawing, and sculpture. She has devoted many years to graduate education in the arts, and her service also extends to Princeton, where she has worked tirelessly for the last four years as a member of our Board of Trustees. Or take Bart Gelman, 
another member of the undergraduate class of 1982, who shared the 2002 Pulitzer Prize for national reporting with two other colleagues from the Washington Post for their investigation into international terrorism in the wake of 9-11. In 2004, he broke the story on the lack of evidence for weapons of mass destruction in Iraq. By following the facts, By following the facts wherever they lead, Bart has eliminated some of the most important events of our time. Then there's Eve Thompson of the class of 1982, who has devoted her life to promoting good governance, democracy, and human rights all over the world. She has never wavered in this mission whether she is directing a program to enhance the effectiveness of the National Legislature of Guinea-Bissau or promoting environmental advocacy in Brazil, directing a program at the United Nations University International Leadership Academy in Amman, Jordan, or helping to draft the South African Constitution. She truly embodies Princeton in the service of all nations. or judge the success of Jeffrey Merkley, who earned an MPA from the Woodrow Wilson School in 1982. Jeff is a, fi <laughs> a five-term member of the Oregon House of Representatives and currently Speaker of the House. As Executive Director of Portland's Habitat for Humanity and in other organizations, he helped build sustainable and affordable housing for low-income families. Jeff is a part of a great Princeton tradition of elected public servants who have used their education to promote the public good. Let me conclude with Linda Clarizio of the class of 1982, who works in one of the fastest-moving industries in the world as president of advertising.com a subsidiary of AOL. She came to AOL after a career as an attorney where she coordinated the U.S. Foreign Policy Project, a study of human rights and foreign policy issues. And she continues her commitment to international human rights by serving on the board of Human Rights First, demonstrating that Princetonians never lose their talent for multitasking. These six Princetonians, while hardly a random sample, are splendid representatives of the graduates of 1982 who have used their education to make lasting contributions to and beyond their chosen fields. They have done what Princeton asked them to do, serve this nation and all nations and make the world a better place for us all. Although my sample size is small, there are many more like them and based on the evidence now available to us, I am prepared to give the Princeton graduates of 1982 an A. One that can even stand up to the rigorous scrutiny of Dean Malkiel. Now I hope that you, the graduates of 2007,
will likewise use your Princeton educations to lead well-considered lives in service to the common good. That you will be open to new ideas and have the courage to stand up for your beliefs and the rights and the dignity of others. And that you will adopt a global sensibility and a lifelong devotion to justice and freedom, always informed by the highest standards of integrity and mutual respect. Your success in meeting these challenges will be judged in 2032 and not by any standardized test. And so, as you walk, skip, or run through the Fitzrandolph gates today, as educated citizens of this and many other nations, I hope you will carry forward the spirit of Princeton, and I expect you will continue to do as you have done here, to aim high and be bold. My warmest wishes go forward with you all. At the conclusion of the benediction, and after the singing of Old Nassau, guests are requested to remain in their places until the platform party and the degree candidates have left front campus and returned to Cannon Green. The benediction will be pronounced by Dean Rauschenbusch. Beloved graduates of Princeton University, receive now the benediction. May compassion quicken your hearts. May righteousness temper your actions. May wisdom captain your minds. May vocation guide your choices. And wherever life may take you, May you flourish in God's presence. Go in peace. So be it.